Just a quick one. This episode of Pulp Kitchen is brought to you by Noggin HQ. Noggin HQ is a hot new credit referencing agency for Gen Z and millennials. They are revolutionizing the way that credit scoring is done by making it cheaper, simpler, and easier. If you're interested, you're under 30, and you want to start building a better credit score, follow at Noggin HQ now on all social media platforms. Back to the show. I know this isn't a particularly new take to have, but you know, watching films, especially coming out of the Oscars, where like that increasingly over the last few years, we were kind of having the, this discussion. There are like increasingly f- fewer number of films that are actually nominated for the Academy Awards where I'm actually like so interested in. Mm. And then I look at like the kind of shows, even on this podcast we've been talking about that have been on TV and the specific performances that are taking place on these platforms. And I'm like, d- d- the, the, the Oscars and the Academy Awards and the cinema, I'm starting to feel, is just not the place where the most interesting and dynamic storytelling is being told. And I know this isn't a new take, no. but like, I'm thinking about Succession, Euphoria, right. Severance. And then I go and look at films like I've seen recently where I feel the whole, the whole slate of films has become really consolidated. Mm. And on paper, the cinema has never been healthier, mm. right? It was it, like, remember like the death bells were ringing for the cinema in like the late noughties yeah. and the 2010s. And like, since then we've had like so much success, but you know, obviously it has become really consolidated in so many ways. I'm really excited to go and see Doctor Strange too. Like I right. think that will genuinely be a good time in the cinema. Right. But when I think about like a story that I watch or an episode of TV I watch, I'm like, that is such a new and interesting way to tell a story, mm. which I never thought of before. And we have all this like drama and spectacle, Will Smith aside about the yeah. Oscars. And I'm like, this isn't actually like the most interesting content for me anymore. And I don't think mm. it is for a lot of people. And for many years I used to go, oh, like I've seen some of these Oscar films. and Oh, I didn't know about that one. And I didn't know mm. about that one. And I can't wait to go and watch them. Yeah. I do want to see Coda because I hear it's good and it won Best Picture. I don't know. I, I, mm. I, like I said, I've not heard anyone anecdotally say, Coda, great, you've got to go see it. Mm. I've, heard, I've, I've heard it's very passable. Mm. And it's just like, I, it, it reoccurred to me this week, finishing Euphoria season two, and then going to the cinema to see a couple of films, then looking ahead at like what's coming out in the cinema yeah. versus what is being offered to me yeah. on TV. And I'm like, where does the balance sway anymore? And as I said, it's not an original idea, but it really is becoming more and more and more apparent. I think it's, well, that's always been the thing with TV, especially recently, that all the innovation is there because yeah. they have the time, uh, you know, literally six to eight episodes or 10 episodes, whatever, to innovate and tell a story properly. And how many mm. times have you seen you and I seen a film and gone, that should have been a series. Yeah. That would be more interesting if it's a series. But I see your point that it's like the cutting edge of performing motion picture art yeah. is in TV now. And it's not even, you can't even, in a way, actually, it's almost TV is beyond being called TV anymore because the line between being what a TV is, is in a, a film is you know whatever mm. but uh yeah i think i think that's been the case for a while sadly and, and i know we're going to talk about euphoria like later today yeah. but it's like finishing that season even though it's so clearly part of one piece it's like every single time they started an episode they went how can we tell this story in a completely yeah. different way this episode yeah. Yeah. in one series yeah. and then I, in, I go and look at movies and films and it feels like different ips are mm. trying to tell stories mm. in the exact same way mm. also and, Sorry to, but no, how many times do you hear? Uh, I feel like to to sort of be talking really binary terms, but it's like 
I feel like the story you often hear from filmmakers working on films is, oh, we met in, we met with so much difficulty from the studio and the producers, and I, I couldn't tape. get my vision across, and so it was designed by committee, and eventually we we came up with this thing, but we weren't that happy with it. Whereas I hear so often people who have made series and for you know for the streaming platforms mm. being like. They gave me creative freedom. I was able to do what I wanted to do. I mean, you know, Gervais has talked so much about how he loves Netflix for that reason, just the creative freedom. Yeah. But even, um, I just thought of like Michaela Cole when she actually worked with the BBC, but like, it's just yeah. more, it just seems to be that like, it's a much healthier dialogue to construct an actual story um, instead of almost like racing to the bottom to get through this narrow hole, which is called a film. And actually let's get, give ourselves some breathing space. I do. I agree. So what we're trying to say is basically what's been said by everyone for ages, which is what's that, like, in the cinema, you know, uh, cinema is kind of lagging and, and TV is really, is really where the innovation is. But, but healthier than ever. That's the well, thing. Do you know what I realized is that I was so used to, do you remember when everyone was like, this is the golden age of TV? And then I realized like people started using that term like eight years ago. Yeah. And now we've just stuck. And then it was like peak TV. Mm. Do you remember like we had the golden age of TV when, <clears throat> excuse when, like, me, um, Sherlock was out. I No, I think he was more like, I think it was when Game of Thrones, like two and three, started to like come round. Sure, yeah, that's and and cool. also I think True Detective, the first series, was where people yeah. were like, "Holy, this is this would have been a film." It's, it's a, as cinematic and yeah, the writing is as exactly. good. Yeah. So they're like, "It's a golden age of TV." And the, then the, I think the talent is as good, right? And then I think peak TV happened with um, Westworld. I think we talked about that before. Big budget, big budget, but big super name. bloated, super bloated. Yeah. Too much, massive story, lots of cast, lots of characters. What is even happening? Mm. Um, and now I'm like, well, we're just, it's, it's just no the norm. About anymore. Yeah, because yeah. I think that struggled. I mean, there, are, there have been really big blockbuster TV shows that have just really um, lost their way. I mm. mean, do you remember American Gods? Yes. And I was reading about that. That had it, three seasons. Uh, four showrunners in three seasons, right? And it never quite took off. I never really met anyone who said, oh, you've got to watch American Gods. It always mm. looked like, and you, it always looked like every season it was changing its identity. And you can tell because they would come up with completely different artwork. As yeah. if they're trying to engage you in a different way. And that's how I felt with Westworld. And the end of Breaking Bad would have been around that time as well. Oh, which in at the time yes. would have been like, yes. that was everyone's go-to yes. best show of all time, right? Speaking of... I cannot wait to get. I, I think it's here's the thing. I need to. I've seen three need, seasons of Better Call Saul. Yes. Really loved it. Yes. And that's the thing. Every episode. It's fantastic. Similar to Euphoria. I'm like, what's a new way we can tell the yes. story? Which Breaking Bad also did. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that uh, that show I know deserves me to go through it all again and watch it. I might choose like a holiday and just binge it because that is also fantastic. The, the writing quality. Yeah. Um, I think it's some of the best in TV. And, and like Breaking Bad um, has that effect where it really felt like in so many shows stuff from this it, it, it always knew where it was going mm. and you could literally see the evidence of the shots that they mm. put in the first few episodes mm. like it shows you this is going to happen and we know this is how it's going to happen mm. and it's so rewarding to be like oh you like yeah. had an had an idea of how this is going to end yeah. and you and you did it and you had the, the budget and the faith and the trust and the time to do it and that's so rare and i think that's why people so many people like vince gilligan tv shows oh yeah i i I can't wait to start the new season of Medical mm. Saw, the final season, but we'll talk about it when, when we've watched it properly. And I'm not trying to be cynical, and I know this isn't a new take, no. but you know, like, you know, like I, like I do this podcast and I think about like things I'm going to see, yeah. and I look in the cinema and I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll have some things to say. Yeah. But I don't, I'm always surprised by the things that sneak up on me in TV. Yes. And, I, and I'm so much more excited to talk to you about like structure and form of how a TV show mm. captured my attention. And, and like it, the worst person in the world recently is probably the exception, but that's like a Norwegian language film that not a lot of people are talking yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, we're not trying to say that 
there's no there's nothing interesting no. happening in film, but it's just increasingly that the the innovation and the excitement is TV led. And a lot of my friends, like my sisters, will often say this to me, like I'm just so uninterested in films. I just feel like it's all superhero films and, and they're not wrong and it's all just like the same reboots and i'm like in a way you're you're really right mm. but also it has become like the marketing has become really consolidated too yeah. and it's like unfortunately the marketing that penetrates people who are so overly interested in mm. film it's just gonna be like those Mar marvel films essentially it's like it's yeah. like when people think video games is just call of duty and fifa it's like well that's all you see at the super bowl but that doesn't mean you're actually getting also all, all the other stuff this trend of rebooting and going back to nostalgia and bringing old things back has a limited uh, effect. It's like it only works for a set amount of audience mm. and, and and for a short period of time. I remember going to see this, going to the cinema to see the Rise of Star Skywalker. Right? Yeah, that's just for context. Um, uh, this is this is the film. end of 2019, and uh, I was with my brother, and we saw a trailer for Mulan, the live action remake of Mulan. Right? Where did that but, go? But, well, COVID. Anyway. Uh, and he, we watched the whole thing, and it's all very serious. Blah, blah, blah. And it got to the end of Mulan, and my brother was like, "Mullen, what?" what? He, he was, he was like, he was like, Mulan. But he was like, "What? What is this?" He wow. Was like, he was like, I, "What? What is? What is that?" Really interesting. And so he, so he wasn't aware that it was based on some old Disney film. So as a result, so he was a, an example of an audience member who had no connection to the existing IP. Wow. So as a result, he was like, "How old's your brother?" 30 right okay <laughs> we've yeah. been 28 at the time yeah but he had he was um bewildered because because it was clear that the story was not communicating itself mm. it was clear that it didn't function it's bank, uh, but it's banking surely on the name yeah it did not function as a film in itself because he, he saw that and thought what is that what is that story other than just being like look do you remember that thing you remembered it's live action now it's live action now and he that was lost on him so he yeah. was like well, what point it what point is it? That was the same with the Beauty and the Beast and Cinderella live action. They're doing all the time. Yeah. And yeah. Aladdin and they did uh, that. that Dumbo, did you see Dumbo? Rough. No, but that came and went too. Yeah. They like swept that under the carpet and went. Mm. I sadly saw it in that time before it got swept under the carpet. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. And, and like, and like another thing I'm going to say, which I'm, I'm going to talk about Operation Mincemeat as well, which is a film that's like fine and I enjoyed, but it's one of those things where like I went to go see it in the cinema, which isn't like a live, live huge Marvel multiverse film. Sure. And I'm a bit like, yeah, I, I could have easily, I could have easily enjoyed that just as much, if not more, on Christmas Eve with a glass of wine at home. Do you know what it is? And I really hate to say this, and this is quite patronizing. So I don't, I don't really mean this, but mm. I think if you were being mean. Yeah, you would call it a tea and biscuits film. Yes, yeah, that's a tea and biscuits film. Take I don't. I mum, mums and teas and biscuits in the lounge Sunday afternoon. Yeah, perfect. Maybe in Sunday evening. Maybe even a Saturday evening. But it's a tea and biscuits watch at home thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Do you have a better ending for that conversation? <laughs> Use that. <laughs> that's fine. So we talked about it a bit earlier. Mm. but should talk about Euphoria season two, which we yeah. both finally finished at long last. Yes, we're both big fans of the show. I think you watched it originally because I recommended it to you. Yes, like, you did just before the pandemic. You and Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Leo messaged me and he said, "Have you told James yet?" And I said, "Leo, don't worry, I'm seeing I'll him. I'll do it. I'll talk uh, to I'll him. I'll talk to him." Yeah. So Euphoria is finished. For those who don't know, Euphoria the season is huge. Finished. This season, yeah, Euphoria yeah. season two. Well. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a discussion. We're going, we're going to talk spoilers, right? We're going to talk spoilers. It's been so enough time. Skip ahead if you don't want to know what happens in Euphoria season two. But mm -hmm. it's the Zendaya-led show, but very much an ensemble cast. We have talked about it before. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, super big budget, but super stylistic, super dark, edgy, sex, drugs, on violence, funny. old Kodak Poitra film, which Is they it, yeah. like got repurposed and then like manufactured in its original. It must cost yeah. so much money. Incredibly rich, so dense, potent story. James, what do you think of season two? I really, really like it. I think there was there was a there was a moment towards the end when there's that, you know, play sequence that's that's happening. And I said something earlier which was which is when I was talking about TV and films and I said, Oh, I think what's so amazing about this show is it feels like every single episode they said, even though we're we're essentially got this coloring book and every single episode is a page. We're going to find a new way mm. to tell our story using yeah. s- same tools, but like in a completely different way. Sure. Like every every time you're coloring in coloring in your yeah. coloring book in a different way. And I remember when she had cast these people as her friends in mm. this play in the end. And I knew that we had really well thought out, well-rounded characters when I could recognize these people by just their silhouette. Mm. And I had such a clear idea of who these people were between who like Rue was and mm. who like, you know, all, all of them and, and Cassie. And I was like, I, I know these characters and what they're thinking and who they are. Um, I think, I think that, that there is like a lot to, I think there is some things to criticize about mm. Euphoria. I yeah. think I think some of the comments we made originally, we talked about the beginning, which toned down towards the end of the season is like, how I don't I don't find it impressive when you, Euphoria purely tries to shock me. Yeah. I, I'm so much more impressed when it's at its more heartfelt mm. and warm. Mm. And then I, I have moments where I think it was episode four where I had to just take a breath and be like, that was some of the most like, beautiful moments and, and character moments that come together you know and she walks out of her bedroom into the church right and labyrinth yeah. is there yeah. and she's like hugging him and yeah. it's her, her father um but yeah it's 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 even though i think it's it's not reached the same heights as season one i think i'm splitting hairs it's like me trying to rank the original star wars films if i'm comparing them it's right. like i'm being quite you know getting to the minutiae but it's 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 fantastic and it's it's yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think everyone should seek it out and it's definitely worth the watch. And people yeah. who are like, oh, I'm thinking about watching Euphoria. I'd be like, well, give it a go because you'll have a reaction. You will yes. have a reaction to that show, which is great. Mm-hmm. It really kind of grabs hold of you and shakes you. I really enjoyed season two with a couple of caveats like yourself. I yeah. really, especially the initial sort of few episodes that kind of begins that great New Year's party. It's got this like propulsive energy and you've got all these characters pinging around from each other in this great scenario. And you have like dramatic situations appearing suddenly, like uh, Nate and Cassie, and in the bathroom with yeah. I mean, the dramatic tension yeah, it builds fantastic. up, and, and, and the, then you've with got Fez and like the scenes between the drug guys, like it yeah, how yeah, kind of yeah, get you on the edge of your seat, <laughs> and that scene between Fez and Nate, brilliant, really great. And then I love that kind of um, uh, the depth they'd given to Cal, you know, Nate's father. Mm. Really well played by the guy from Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, <laughs> I can't Mc, remember his Mc name. Steamy, Mc not Steamy, Steamy, yeah. yeah. Um, and they flash back to him in the 90s. And there was just a scene where they were showing him in the 90s. And the, it's got a great soundtrack. And they just like oh, whack up this Echo soundtrack. and the Bunnyman song. And they whack up the Sinead Yeah. And they just, you know, jump into the... And it's just it's so like full of life and energy. It's, mm. it's really, really intox- intoxicating. That's the word I've always used about Euphoria. Intoxicating, yeah. right? Um, just a quick thing, though. You... Sorry, there's the, <laughs> the wild hogs are in town. <laughs> it's the cast of Sons of Anarchy are yeah. outside. Um, a quick point when you mentioned Sinead O'Connor there, there's a scene where, uh, yeah, uh, um, Cal, Cal gets really drunk and he it's goes stunning. through this old bar he used to go to when he was a kid and he puts on, he goes into this jukebox and he plays a really 
obscure Sinead O'Connor track. Drink for the War. Yeah, Drink for the War. Good track. However, Amazing yeah, track. But, but, but the only thing I find unbelievable about it, it is intercut with the scene of Cassie, who's a... 18 year old really drunk at a party tangled yeah, in the tangled boots. Boots, who is also singing along to this really obscure Sinead O'Connor track I'm just like oh oh, she would know that really she would happen to be singing that the song same song like, at the yeah, same time come on please um, I think that um, to, the thing I've always thought with Euphoria is that it's fo- so full of style and, and, and verve I just sometimes want to grab Sav Levinson and think this is great do you know where you're going do you know what you're doing here because when it got to the final few episodes I felt like he was like, reaching is, is that it yeah like the whole story with the play, as soon as I knew that was on the horizon, I thought, mm, that feels a bit hokey for me. A bit like, we're going to do a play and it's going to be about us. Uh, oh. It was a bit of a ridiculous spectacle yes. for yes. Euphoria, but I still, I still, I was still loving it. And it was, it was so playful yes. with the way it intercut actual memories sure. and the way in which you remembered it. That but, yeah. school must have the biggest what musical theatre the, budget. Like, a revolving like stage? to the National Theatre <laughs> and like the level of technical direction yeah, around back. I was like, and also what, what like principal is going to approve a yes. play to go on that is based around the actual like students, lives, yeah. deaths, traumas, drug addictions yeah. of the students at the school that is going to be played out for drama but yeah. for everyone else with the actual like parents yeah, attending. I know. It's, uh, yeah, it's it ridiculous. Well, ridiculous is the key word for euphoria. Yeah. And, and, and throughout this whole series, I was like, it got increasingly ridiculous, but it was ridiculously entertaining. I have to give it that. Yeah. And there were times I actually found it like laugh out loud funny. I'm not sure it often meant to be, but like there were scenes, you know, with... um. Nate and Cassie when it's so tense at Maddie's birthday party and there's the jacuzzi scene yes. and stuff like that. That for me was so funny. I found that yeah. so funny. And even when like Rue's running through the street, it's kind of like a farce. Yeah. That's what I really enjoyed. That, yes. was, that was really great. I loved, the thing is, the Fez and the Lexi thing, that was quite sweet. Maud Apatow, have you know, she has that kind of lilt in her. Yeah. Lexi, Cassie. Yo, Rue, what are you doing? What are you doing, you Ash? Doing that, yeah, Rue. Fez. Yeah. yeah, man. I think Lex, this has got to be like Stand By Me. Rue. I think Sydney Sweeney does such a good job like at her most like emotionally pent up. Oh, she's Sydney like, Sweeney. Yeah, so, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Sydney yeah. Sweeney. She's so good. When yeah. She's like, oh, like, you're making me feel worse. Yeah. <laughs> when she's... And yeah, when she's like dressed like a country and western singer. Yeah. You know, and, and she looks, she does a really great, I'm about to cry and have an absolute meltdown face. Yeah. So like she gets like all the blood rushed to her face, like yeah. she's flushed and just gonna burst. It's like, if you ever, it's like, um, you know, Anya Taylor Joy. There yes. was like a, a, a series, a successive series of films where it was just shots of her gasping, looking yeah. absolutely like thunderstruck. The Vich. Yeah, the Vivitch yeah. and Split and all that. And uh, that's the same with uh, Sidney Sweeney. Great cast all round. There was a, sorry, just picking up on what you said earlier where it's like uh, euphoria is the kind of show where you're you will react to it you will have a reaction yes do you remember when when what's the name of Maud Apatow's character again Lexi Lexi she no, she's it's Lexi, but uh, like, Lexi. I, 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 it sounds Lexi. like Lexi Lexi is like she thinks her play is a failure and she's like oh my god I've, I've, I've failed and she's like oh it could have been and then this like this technical theater director is sitting mm. with her and she's like no like it could have been worse like it people were laughing <laughs> and then she says something along the lines of like art should be dangerous or art should right. be disruptive mm. and for me I was like that is so much of Sam Levinson yeah. just pumping in and saying look I know everyone's going to criticize this show show for yeah. depicting teenagers in this like glamorized ultra sexualized druggy way yeah. but like, i guess his point is you know in order to like make a, a point a 
and an impression which he clearly wants to make about the destructive wake that tortured men leave in, in their past sure. and you know forgiveness and drug addiction in order to make that point like why why does why does a show need to be depicting real life people because they're not going to school oh, they're no. not studying yeah. there's no home there's no textbooks yeah. there's no, i'm like god they're yeah, 18 they're yeah. going to college yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. where is the concern so in a lot of ways i totally get that like this is a this is such an unrealistic representation of, of young teenagers even though some people would say it isn't in, in what way is Sam Levinson and writer responsible for accurately depicting teenagers in, in a fictional state? Watch a documentary, read an article if you yeah. want. Yeah, this is hyper hyper dramatic, melodramatic. It, it gives no pretense to reality. Uber stylized, dream logic. Yes, it's complete dream logic and dream world. I think if anyone who watches that goes, oh, wow, this is what it's really like, I'm like you, you've completely missed it. You know? And I don't want every TV show to have to accurately portray mm. to the finest detail what life is really like for an American in school. Yeah, just one thing. One, my biggest down disappointment. Sorry. My biggest disappointment with this series, though, was Kat as a character. I really liked her arc and her story in season one. If And, and she had one of the strongest stories, and yeah. it always could have been a series on its own. So Kat's this character who is fairly bookish, quite quiet. She's kind of overshadowed by her really loud friends, like Maddie. Um, she uh, loses her virginity at the beginning of series one, um, is involved in a scandal involving how, in regards to how that was fit, like filmed, someone filmed that. Yeah. And then she sort of becomes um, sucked into this world of camming and, mm. and you know, um, self-actualizing and realizing and coming of age in terms of sexuality on screen in front she's of- She's making money. She's like, making money, and but she, she like enjoys it. So it's a complete like character growth. She completely comes and changes and yeah. comes out of her shell. Um, and, but so, and in many ways, it's like makes her really confident stuff, but also underneath, it's like eroding away. Changes her. her dress sense as well. Yeah, exactly. So, so that was really interesting. And the way that ended in season one was that you had this really nice guy, Ethan, mm. played by Austin Abrams, who, by the way, is, is a really good actor. And he's really been in lots good. of other stuff, like yeah. um, a really underrated film called Brad Status, but, or Brad Status, oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, okay. but, and he was in The Walking Dead. Really good actor. Yeah. He's not in it enough. He's not in this enough. That, that breakup scene, I thought he was really good yeah, in. Right. Yeah, right. So he's, so he, He's liking Kat, and at the end of the season, when they actually get together, and it's like he's she's finally realised that she doesn't need to, you know, do this online. She can actually have real a real connection here. Yeah. And then season two, predictably, sees him in a bit of a rut, and she finds him a bit um, boring and stale compared to the excitement, but of, of of you know the internet life. But they'd never give her an episode to explore that. Mm. She's she's given a handful of scenes spread across eight episodes. Now I think about it, that like last moment of hers was slightly shoehorned. And, and yeah, and so they have this scene where they break up, which again I was like, okay, we haven't really given it enough time to invest in this. And then that's really the end of that story. And I'm like, that that's sad because I was after Rue, maybe Jules, I was really interested in her the most as a character. So yeah. that's a shame. But also is the way that season two ends, I I, I did I did think Okay, where does this go now? I agree. Because surely these half half these students go off to college, and Rue says, "Oh, I stayed, I stayed sober for the rest of the the year." Yeah. So she's like looking ahead. So, I'm so thinking, her conflict of being so, it, sober. but it's almost like okay, you're looking ahead as if like everything was smooth sailing, or you know, was you can you're talking for the future. But what happens to all those drugs that you that got flushed down the toilet from the drug dealer that you stole? I like, agree. There's I, a lot of loose from ends. From my perspective, I think the the, the show very very successfully 
deals with her getting to rock bottom, right? Which was her having yeah. like opiate withdrawal symptoms, right? Yeah, and, and that great episode where she's running through the city. Yeah, it's fantastic. fantastic. It's yeah. so, so well put together. And then, you know, through, from, from episode four through to that next episode, and then the, the way in which the play reveals, you know, the funeral of her father, that to me shows that she is recovered at least for a long period like rue struggling with drug addiction is not where the rest of this show is gonna right. is gonna take it's definitely gonna be on like the relationships sure. for sure but that th that that for me is tied up so i agree i don't know where like rue and drugs goes because mm. the, the the like the, what again i mentioned this scene earlier there's that moment where she's been taking loads of drugs and she is clearly like completely out of her mind. And she walks out of her bedroom into this like beautiful like church that, yeah. that has architecture that swoops up to heaven. <laughs> and Labyrinth is like in the show yeah. singing as, kind of as, as like the, preacher, the voice yeah. of God and the preacher. And there's this song which like echoes like a theme through the whole of this series, which is like, hey, Lord, you know, I'm tired. And then Rue even like sings this herself. And in a moment where she like is hugging him and it cuts between Labyrinth and then her dad and like, mm. I miss you so much. Yeah. I'm so sorry. And that to me, it was so why I think the show did well is it wonderfully tied that up. Okay. But that, like I said, it's not Rue and Drugs, I don't think is what season three has, no, that's, has in store. I, I agree, that, that's fine. It's just more like, I, it's, in many ways I thought, is this the end of the whole show? Because even Nate and his dad had wrapped up a little bit. You know, that yeah. that's kind of done. And, you know, like I said, all these students will go off to, to college and it'll just be what, Rue, Jules and Lexi. And I always felt that the, the sort of climax with Fez and Ashtray disconnected really from the main story. I agree. I was like, this is like from a different show. It's, Theatrical, and, and you saw it coming a mile away when that guy was like, "I'm working with the police." Yeah, yeah. it's just like I, I've all, and I, I had that at the end of series one when that guy Mouse is there. Remember, and there's that whole thing of Fez like breaking into a house to steal money. I'm like, what relationship does this have actually to the rest of? It? Is he trying to say this is one teenager who isn't at school and he's doing all this other? I stuff? I also think Fez should have had something a little bit more to do at the end. Not that his story's ending, but do you remember how brilliantly they did his backstory in this series mm, with the his grandma, mar, like yeah. the grandma, and, and like the strippers and everything, and like yeah, it's such a good sense of who that character was after mm. that and then like for this to kind of happen which is it's not it's not boring but it's kind of but like it, it the road i feel like it deserved something a little bit more substantial mm. i'm being very critical of it but i still i still prefer watching yeah. this kind of show over so many other things exactly we've picked it apart we've gone into the minutiae and even though it sounds like we're being nitty gritty and yeah picky, we are actually still fans of the show. I, would, I would love to see season three and yeah it's still a very intoxicating and zendaya's performance throughout the whole thing i think oh. is, is better than and like pretty much any other actress not a lot that we only compare female performances but like that was unbelievable yeah. from her that emmy is pre-ordered that like, emmy is on its on. way to her in the post right she is now so good and yeah. like the way she like her crying it just feels so real it's heartbreaking oh. fantastic so check it out. Let us know your thoughts if you've seen it or if what you have a different doing? take. If you haven't watched it yet, just, just do Get it. on it. You will react. <laughs> you will have something. You will. You will have something yeah. to say. You will go to your friend and be like, oh, that euphoria episode. Yeah. I mean, whoa. It's not boring. Yeah. Okay. That's that's the best way. I mean, that's, that is a ringing endorsement. I felt like a boomer watching it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Would somebody think of the children? Yeah. My goodness. <laughs>